And I want to say to you that if you're saved, if you're born again, you have that hedge. You're his child. He knows all about you. He knows what's ahead. And he protects us. Thank you. Take your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Job this evening. The book of Job. Wow, I sure enjoy the music and thank God for it. It's wonderful, isn't it? Thank the Lord for people that want to sing praises to the Lord. And I like the prayer too. I don't think we can pray too much. And I, I like that emphasis of everybody bowing their head and praying and asking God to do something. You don't have revival without prayer. If you pray, you'll have revival. I really believe that. God wants to do something great. Take your Bibles and go with me to Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was what? Perfect and upright. And one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters... His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was, notice, the greatest of all the men of the East. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting was gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and he offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Notice why he did that. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Isn't that something that a man of this caliber could have children like that? Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And I want you to notice who starts the conversation with the devil. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth or hateth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Thus Job fear God for naught? My text verse is verse 10. Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands. Isn't that something that the devil would admit that God blesses us? And his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now. And touch all that he hath, 
and he will curse thee to thy face. That's a prophecy given by Satan. And you will find that all false prophets are wrong. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. The second messenger comes. While he yet spake, was speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven. Isn't that interesting that he called it the fire of God? And hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I... Only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he yet was speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and they are dead and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and he fell down upon the ground and started complaining. Is that what it says? No, what did he do? He worshipped. After all of this, here's what he said to the Lord. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 22 is what gives the reason why verse 1 exists. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord. And of course he said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And still he holdeth fast his integrity. Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. That's a powerful statement right there. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yea, all that a man will give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he'll curse thee to thy face. Second prophecy by Satan. He's wrong again. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he's, he is in thine hand, but save his life. 
So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a pot shear, and he scraped himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, did not Job sin with his lips? Our Heavenly Father, no doubt one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the life of a believer. Oh God, I pray that you would do a mighty work in our lives. May we understand the importance of being godly and holy. Understanding that all things come from thee. That you do all things well. Speak to us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All this is quite the passage of Scripture. I would like you, if you would, to go with me to the book of Ezekiel 13, verse 5. Ezekiel 13, verse 5. This is a message against the lying prophets. And the word of the Lord came unto me in verse 1, son of man. Prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own heart, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own, what? Spirit. Remember I talked about the spirit of man and the will of man? And have seen nothing. O Israel! Thine prophets are like the foxes in the desert. Look at verse 5. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle of the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying deviation, saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have ye not seen a vain vision? And have ye not spoken a lying deviation? Whereas ye say, the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken. The reason I wanted to read that to you is because there are people that get out of the hedge let me talk, first of all, about are you in the hedge? Job was in the hedge. Look at verse 10 of chapter 1. Satan declares, Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Satan is attacking Job for being faithful because the Lord has hedged him in. 
He has put a hedge about him, a protection about him. And I want to say to you that if you're saved, if you're born again, you have that hedge. You're his child. He knows all about you. He knows what's ahead. And he protects us. How many of you have ever felt the protection of God in your life? Any of you? Victory over sin? You name it. God is there. We sense his presence. The spirit of God lives in us. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. The Bible says, therefore glorify God in your, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are not our own. We belong to God. And I believe that God puts a hedge about us to protect us from evil. And I believe that God wants us to stay in the hedge. Not everybody stays in the hedge. You've been saved for a while. You know, sometimes things get a little passe. Uh, so what? We allow ourselves to be influenced by others that become more powerful to us than God. There's always going to be someone that's going to try to get you away from God. Even sometimes family members, friends, will try to get you out of the hedge. Oh, you're saved. You're going to heaven. And then we even start lying to ourselves. Well, you know, God, you know, he, you know, he, no one's perfect. And, you know, I mean, if I want to do, go out and get out of the hedge and do what I want to do, I can do that. I mean, you know, God's going to be with me. Don't bet on it. Have you ever heard where when God called man, man would not listen to him? And then man got in trouble and called on God and God wouldn't listen to him or them. God does not like us sinning against him. And every sin... That we sin is a sin, first of all, against Him. Then it's against ourselves. Then it's against others that we, that love us. How many parents of good churches and good Christian homes have fell asleep with tears in their eyes, weeping, because their children have stepped out of the hedge and some people think they're smarter than God because it's a dangerous place to be out there. The Bible says that Satan goeth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to take down believers. He can't take them to hell. He just doesn't want them to be effective. He doesn't care if you go to church as long as you don't become a fanatic. And thus, the church loses its power. And when a church loses its power, it becomes a bad testimony. Where once it was a good testimony, but now, ah, we used to go there, but they've lost the power of God in their life. And every one of us 
we can lose God's power. All you've got to do is step out of the hedge and get out from under the protection of God. And who knows what could happen. Now let's take a look at staying in the hedge. It's interesting to me that God's people must really be loved by God. To value them so much that He would put them in a place of protection. I think that is wonderful. Every husband wants to protect his wife, amen? Sure. We want to protect our children. Well, God is our Father. We're His children. You go to 1 John. You read through there, little children. He's talking to everybody that is his, his child. And he has some wonderful things to tell them. Because He's a God that loves us and seeks to protect us and to empower us to have victory. The second thing that we see about God is that God allows His people to experience danger and even injury. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 8, He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whosoever breaketh a hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Take away the hedge, Isaiah said, and it shall be eaten up. So God puts a hedge about us to keep us from Anything coming in to hinder us from being spirit-filled. And some people say, well, you know, your Christian life is such a narrow-minded idea. You're like archaic. Amen. I've had people call me a legalist. Have you ever had anybody call you a legalist? Would you raise your hand? Sure. You're so strict. I call people that call me a legalist, I call them illegal. And I'm not lying. Everybody wants to lighten it up and do what you want to do. Have a fun, friendly life. Do what you want, you know. And that's the opposite of what God wants. God wants us to be right with Him, which brings the greatest joy in the world. When you're in that hedge and you're protected and you know the enemies that are coming up to try to get into our lives, they can't come in unless God gives them permission. And God does sometimes. Perfect example is Job. Job's living his life. He's concerned about his children. He's giving sacrifices to the Lord to protect his kids. But God brings a test upon Job. And the purpose of the test was to prove to the devil that God's hedge is safety. You may attack him. You may put him in temptation. You may try to, to hinder him. But he's not going to accept it. There's such a powerful walk with God that you can turn any sin down that you need to turn down. I think we ought to just give up on sinning. Not even one amen in the house? You say, you mean just give it up? Yeah, give it up. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. 
Be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. You know how quickly we can get out of fellowship with God? We had a problem in our church and our song director took off with four families and started a new church and it was terrible and we were getting, getting resume, uh, our, our resignations coming in from our workers, some of our workers and Anne Marie goes, oh no, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we're supposed to go on vacation and visit my parents in Florida. She goes, how can we go? Our church is in an uproar right now. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, you go. If this church belongs to me, it'll be here when you get back. If it doesn't belong to me, I don't want you pastoring it anyway. That's good advice. It got me out of town. Don't we like to run from our problems? Yes? If we could just get away from our problems, everything would be all right. No, sometimes problems come to help us. So I get to Florida. My dad goes, you want to go soul winning? I lied to him. I said, sure. I'd love to go. So we went out to knock doors and we got out there and we're driving along in between different visits and so on. And I said, Dad, you wouldn't believe what's going on up in New York. And I told him what happened. And, and he stopped me right in the middle of a sentence. And he said, Daniel, don't talk about it anymore. The Bible says in Romans 6, you're supposed to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. Now I'm mad at my dad. You ever get mad at somebody because they tell you the truth? Paul told the church of Galatia, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? Sometimes I even get irritated with my wife when she tells me the truth. That's our sinful nature creeping up on us. And we can be in the hedge and then all of a sudden we just seem to want to jump out. I'm going to do what I want to do this time. It's very dangerous. I got back to the house and my dad and mom, after a little while, they went to bed and my wife went to bed and the, our son and daughter went to bed and I'm sitting pouting on the couch. I've ever pouted. It's called a pity party. And I'm sitting there just... <sighs> I lied to my dad about wanting to go visiting. I was on vacation, of course, and I shouldn't have to. Sometimes when you're not right with God, nothing seems to work right. Amen? Yeah. And so I am pouting, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Daniel, you are nothing but a prayerless and powerless preacher. That's all he said. I started crying. You see, I needed to get right with God. I don't know about the people that took off from our church. That's between them and the Lord. But I didn't handle it right. And I was not right with God. And I was bitter about some things. And I'd lost my joy. And I was, I'm going to tell you, I was miserable. I've never been miserable Christians. None of you? Why don't we all just go ahead and raise our hand? Some of you may need to pick up your spouse's hand. I don't know, but let's be honest. We aren't all we're cracked up to be sometimes, are we? And it's because of the circumstances of life. It didn't, it didn't affect Job at all. Job stayed true. 
Job worshipped God after he heard about the death of his own children. He was a godly man. He stayed in the hedge. Even his dear wife was so broken hearted over what had happened. She said, what did she say? She said, curse God and die. You retain, dost thou still retain thine integrity? You're not going to even get mad at God? Why don't you just curse God and die? And he encouraged her that that wasn't the wisest thing to do. People that are spiritual make right decisions, not wrong decisions. He could have jumped out of the hedge and tried to fix it himself or tried to do what he thought was best. What's God allowing to happen to me? He never questioned God. And I'm telling you, many people have shipwrecked their life. Because they questioned God. They didn't understand why they were going through this problem. And God's trying to teach them something. He's trying to prove to the devil that my children walk with me. And they honor me and they stay in the hedge. And they're going to be alright. And they're going to be a testimony to everybody else. That's what we need. That's what Christianity needs in 2024. Wouldn't you agree? We need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Nothing should shake us. Nothing should entice us to go away from an almighty, all-sufficient, all-loving God. So, God allowed something to come into their life, come into Job's life, but He passed the test. How many of you like it when you pass the test? I did the right thing. And you know what happens when you do the right thing? Even your enemies will acknowledge the fact, wow, I can't believe it. You're still serving the Lord? And you remember the three miserable comforters that came to encourage Job? He called them miserable comforters. In fact, when it all came down to the end of the book, When we read the last chapter, it was God that rebuked the miserable comforters and asked, told them that they needed to make a sacrifice to God to repent of the sins of what they said to Job. And then God told Job, pray for your friends. What if he didn't want to pray for his friends? Those idiots coming around talking to me about my sin that I haven't committed, and he could have gone off. No, he simply stayed right with God, stayed in the hedge. And when he prayed for his friends, God gave him twice what he had before. How many of you think we ought to stay in the hedge? Oh, I want you to stay in the hedge. You say, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, I don't, and I don't have to know, but God knows. And God's got a plan to give you victory, to see you through, but you've got to stay in the hedge. Now, what happens when a Christian gets out of the hedge? 
That's a good question. What causes a person to get out of the hedge? I'm not saying they're not saved. Many Christians have lived half their life out of the will of God. There are many people that are carnal Christians. We talked about that, didn't we? On Sunday. They're not spiritual, they're carnal. And every one of us have these moments where we're up and down, you know. We're either hot for God or we're cold toward God. And God is wanting to bring us to that place where we stay in the hedge and we've got the protection. But what do we do? We jump out. I want to give you some reasons why people step out of the hedge. And I want you to write them down. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. What happens when we get out of the hedge? Number one, in every case that I'm going to give you, write these words. We are deceived. We, as believers, are deceived if we think, if we think the unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom of God. Did you know the Bible talks about this? Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Wow. We must first of all understand that those that are living an unrighteous life have become deceived. For us to live in an unrighteous state for a very long period of time, it means that we have been deceived. I don't believe that God ever wants us to live an unrighteous life. If I live an unrighteous life, my wife doesn't like it. I don't even like it. Because I know what the spirit-filled life is. And the Bible says that the unrighteous are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I believe he's talking here about lost people. But sometimes don't we act like that? And here's a situation where God is wanting us to realize that those that are righteous ought to live righteous. And those that are unrighteous need to confess it and forsake it immediately. That's the proof we're saved. You know how you can tell you're saved? When you, get, when you, get, when you backslide, you're miserable. The Spirit won't leave you alone. That's why we ought to have revival. The Spirit's always trying to get us to do right, isn't He? Yeah. He's always trying to straighten me out. Jesus tells the Holy Spirit what to do. He comes to me and says, hey, you're not, you shouldn't be doing that. That's Jesus talking to me through the Holy Ghost. That's the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. To keep me straight. To keep me in love with God. To keep me protected against evil. But if I step out... And say, I'm going to live unrighteously. Either I'm not saved or I'm backslidden. And there are people that we think are saved, but they're not. They're not. By their fruits ye shall know them. What kind of fruits are there? That determines where you are. If you can live an unrighteous life and not feel bad about it, you're not saved. If you live unrighteously, you'll feel miserable. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit of God in you. He convicts you. He convinces you of your sin. And then he conforms you to the image of Christ. And sometimes we don't work very well with the Holy Spirit like we ought to. 
But boy, when we do, it's wonderful. It's called the Spirit-filled life. The second thing, if we are deceived if we think that we can be hearers of the Word and not doers. There's not a person here that's been in church for very long, but what know that you know what to do and what not to do. There was an article that came out about church isn't really important anymore. So this guy put this out, put this question out, and then people started writing in. So this guy wrote in, he said, yeah, church is a waste of time. Pastors are wasting their breath. And everybody in the church is doing what they want to do anyway. And he said, we don't need churches. It's a waste of time. And so somebody else wrote in. And this fellow wrote in, he said, uh, I've been married for 30 years to my wife. She has fed me, I think it was 32,000 meals. <laughs> and he said, you know what? The meals kept me going. And he said, that's why church is so important. We've got to be fed spiritually. Now we know we're all fell, fed real good physically. Good night. I went to that Indian buffet. Man, was that amazing. I think I might have gained some weight right there. But this man said, I, I would think that if my wife would give me 30-some thousand, however many it was, 30-some thousand meals, I think maybe I'm going to keep getting fed. And he said, the church is vitally important to be fed. And if you're not fed, you're going to die. You could die within four days without any food. If you, don't, if you don't take good doses of God's Word and hide God's Word in your heart and taste and see that the Lord is good, you're going to be in a mess. You've got to take the Word of God seriously in your heart. You can do it at home, I know. But all the joy of getting together as believers and worshiping and serving God together, it's worth it, isn't it? Don't you feel that one of the greatest things you've ever done in your life is to stay faithful down through the years? And I've been here since 2000, I've come here since 2000, and I still see people that were there the very first time I came. That thrills my heart. And it tells me something. These people know how to eat spiritual food. Amen. So we cannot just be hearers, but we must be what? Doers of the word. We are deceived if we think we have no sin. Everybody's got their own concept of what sin is. A little drink once in a while is no big deal. And I could go on and on of things that we justify. We must be careful. Because sin hurts us. Sin defiles us. Sin makes us dirty. And we must not allow ourselves to think that we have no sin. We all know that we have sin, don't we? The Bible says if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We are deceived if we think ourselves to be something when we're nothing. 
You've got to be careful about pride in your life. I'm better than so-and-so. Or I'm more faithful than so-and-so. That's a dangerous place to be. The Bible talks about people being like that in Galatians 6.3. The Bible says, For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Oh, I deserve better than this. I don't know how many pastors that I have met in the last 24 years who thought they deserved better than what they had. I went to one church and the pastor said to me, I got there on Saturday evening, I met him in his office, he said to me, Brother Dan, he said, I deserve a better church than this. These people don't appreciate me. I was like, that's the first time a pastor ever said that to me. And I thought, wow, I know who I'll be preaching at this week. And every service, he was wiping tears from his face. I'll never forget it. The last night, he called me into his office. And he said, Dan, I can't believe that these people have put up with me. He got revived. Sunday through Friday, he got revived. I was in a meeting just, this is, this, is, this is a number of years ago, and I was in a meeting last year at another church, and guess who was there? That preacher. And he tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned around, and I almost didn't recognize him, but he, he said, do you, you remember me, don't you? And then I thought, yeah, I'm, where have I seen him? And he said, you came and preached for me, and he named the church. And I was like, yeah. He said, You'll never know what a help you were to me that week. It changed my life. He said, I'm getting ready to take another church again. Amen. We're nothing, folks. He's everything. When you think you're something, you're going to think everybody owes you. God can't use a person that thinks he knows it all. In fact, I'd rather be a little dumb and humble than be smart and stupid. Can I get an amen right there? Look what Solomon did, the wisest man that ever lived. Got to the place where he became the dumbest man that ever lived. Any man that would have 700 wives and 300 concubines has a problem. They stole his heart from God. Don't ever let that happen you got to stay in the hedge. What Solomon should have said is, nope, I'm not going there. I'm not going to do that. Can you imagine making idols for your wives? They stole his heart from God. We are deceived if we think that we are wise in this wisdom, the wisdom of this world. The Bible has something to say about that too. Let no man deceive himself. Worldly wisdom is foolishness to God. The Bible says, build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. And when it's all burned up, 
You're going to suffer loss if it was wood, hay, and stubble. You'll, you will not receive a full reward unless what you do is for the glory of God, not yourself. We are deceived if we think that our, that our religion is all we need, but no actions with it. Oh, I got saved, I'm going to heaven, and now I'm going to do what I want to do. No, 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 no. No, Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see all these people over here on the wall? You know why? You know why they're there? Because God told, told them to surrender, to be a missionary, to go into the world and win the world for Christ. The Canadians missions. Why are they there? Because they got a burden to reach the world. And then guess what? God used Grace Baptist Church to send them there. Pretty amazing, isn't it? God wants us to stay everlastingly at it. There's no time for retreat. We must charge, we must advance, we must go forward for God. We must stay under the spiritual burdens to help others know the Lord like you've been privileged to know the Lord. They're watching you and thanking God for you for helping them. Let's never forget that no man is an island. No, we're conduit. I get the gospel, I give it out. I see people come to know the Lord, then they start giving it out. And before long, the house of God is full with people that love sinners and want to see them saved. Oh, if you ever lead someone to Christ, you'll want to lead somebody else. The more people you lead to Christ, the more you're going to want to lead people to Christ. It's contagious. Amen. The Bible says that they were addicted to the saints of God. We are deceived if we think we can sow and not reap. That's right. In Galatians 6, 7, 9, it says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man, what? Soweth, that shall he also, what? Reap. You could waste your life and still go to heaven. But you ought not to. You need to get back in the hedge. Amen? How many understand what I'm saying when I say get back in the hedge? We've got to realize that Satan, in fact, Jesus even said to him, the thief cometh not but to what? Steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that ye might have what? Life. And that ye might have it more abundantly. It's not just enough to be saved. Saved people serve God. And we do it with joy and happiness. We can't, I can't quit serving God. And oh, it's so wonderful because God just does so much. I wish I had time to share with you 
just the many things that God has done to prove to me that He's real and that He wants me to stay faithful and that He wants me to stay in the hedge and not start thinking things my way or what somebody else wants me to think. Let's make it real simple. It's God. He's all we need. When you have God, you have everything. And it's been proven already. If God be for you, who can be against you? Let's get in the hedge. I believe you've got to be saved to get in the hedge. If you're not saved tonight, you need to come and accept Christ as your Savior. Some people have said, boy, it's so hard to live for God. Well, you have to be saved to know how to live for God. People that aren't saved only know how to live a life of sin. It's time that everyone be sure that you're saved. Do you remember when it happened? Do you still have joy about it? Get excited about your faith and your love for the Lord. Your level of repentance and thank Him that He's still working on you to make you what you ought to be. Stay in the hedge. Make up the gap. And serve the Lord all the days of your life. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let's stand to our feet, may we? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.